then when I was looking at the scripture in verse or chapter 12, I was struck by what was here. So Lord willing, in the future, I'll preach in Isaiah chapter 14. But <clears throat> I want us to look at these words here. What we have before us here is a, a song of the triumphs of Christ. Song of the triumphs of Christ. What he's done for us is his people. Let's read those verses again. Verses 1 to 6 of Isaiah chapter 12. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou, though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. God is my salvation. Elohim is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Elohim's my salvation. Elohim's my strength. Jehovah is my strength. He's my song. He's my salvation. Notice how it's personal. My salvation. Every believer can say that, right? Every born again, blood washed believer can, can cry this song out. <clears throat> Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord. That's what we say now. <laughs> we didn't say that before. And now we say, praise your Lord. Praise be to God for the wonderful things he's done for me. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people and make mention that his name is exalted. He's the name above every name. The Lord Jesus Christ. And then look now we see the corporate worship of all the body of Christ. Sing unto the Lord for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Look at this. Cry out and shout thou inhabitants of Zion. Well who are the inhabitants of Zion? God's elect. God's people. Those have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So this is speaking to the whole church corporate. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Look at that. The Holy One of Israel, Christ, is in the midst of us. He's in the midst of us right now. It says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. He's with us right now, beloved. My. So the scripture here before us is a a song of the triumphs of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see here that the church will exalt Christ. We'll exalt him in praise, in thanksgiving. We're going to exalt him. And the believer in Christ will shout out, the Lord is my strength. There was a time when, when we used to think our own strength was what kept us going. Right? Oh man, I can do all these things. I don't take long. 
few years pass and a few more years pass and a few more years pass and that strength is waning, isn't it? Find out not as strong as I used to be. But God, for the believer, is always my strength. In my weakness, he's what? Strong. He's strong. And we're weak all the time, aren't we? If we really admit it, we're weak all the time. If we really admit it. And he's my song. I have a new song now that I sing. <laughs> Been put in my mouth by Christ. I never used to praise the Lord in my natural state. Not at all. Now I find myself speaking to him and praising him all through the day. Is it so for you? Mine. And I'll tell you what, sometimes, I'll tell you what, I'll do this too. It's just simple. Pulling in the parking lot and there's a, there's a, a primo parking spot. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Right? <laughs> it's true though. Little things that we don't even notice. Thank you, Lord. Praise your mighty name. <laughs> oh my. My. So these wonderful verses here <clears throat> in our text is a, are a, a song of the church. It's a song of the church. It's a song of God's elect. Singing about the triumphs of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a gospel song, beloved. This is a gospel song. Only the Lord Jesus Christ has saved his people, right? There's salvation in no other. No other but Christ and him alone. He alone has redeemed us with his precious blood. He alone shed his blood to purchase our eternal souls. He alone completed the work of the salvation of our souls. And, and we've seen lately in our studies that that's a perfect work. It's, com it's completely perfect. Brother Travis was talking to me after Sunday school and he said, if you add anything to, to man to the perfect work of Christ, it's no longer perfect. It isn't. It's marred. If you add a stitch of man's works, it's marred. Christ's work is perfect. It's completed. It's brought to perfection. Why? So the redeemed sing praise to him who has perfectly saved our souls. Now, we're still sinners on this earth, aren't we? We struggle with sin every day, every, every minute, if we're honest, every second. We struggle with sin. <clears throat> but we've been redeemed by a perfect work. We, we can take comfort in that. We've been purchased by the precious blood of Christ, the blood of the God-man. And he perfectly died as our substitute on Calvary's cross. Look at verse 1 here. Look at this. And in that day, thou shalt say, <clears throat> Now, was there a time we said, O Lord, I will praise thee? Before the Lord saved me, I didn't say, O Lord, I'll praise thee. But now I find myself praising the Lord all the time. <laughs> For little things like a parking spot. Seriously. It's amazing. Look at this. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, O Jehovah. In the Hebrew, O Jehovah, I will praise thee. Thou was angry with me, right? <clears throat> His wrath was set upon us. 
Right? But it's being appeased by Christ, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. He, God's angry with the sinners. He's angry with the wicked. See, that's not preached as much. And everybody preaches, well, God loves everybody. No, he doesn't love everybody. And he's angry with the wicked, the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. That's not Wayne Boyd's words. That's what the scripture says. He's angry with the wicked. Look at this. Thou was angry with me. Thine anger is turned away. How? By the perfect Passover lamb. Remember the death angel went through Egypt? And anyone who didn't have the blood? The firstborn was cut down. But not one Israelite home had a firstborn die because a substitute already died. See, his anger is being appeased. Do you know that I was listening to one preacher one time and he said God's wrath is being extinguished. Like when they extinguish a fire and there's just a little smoke, there ain't even smoke coming off this. It's being totally extinguished. His wrath is being totally extinguished against us. That's wonderful. Never to rise up again. So dealt with that it will never affect us again. Oh, thou was angry with me. Thine anger is turned away. And what? And thou comforts me. How do we get comfort now? Oh, Christ saved me. By his perfect work, he saved my soul. He redeemed me. He redeemed me with his precious blood. Does that not bring you comfort? Why? Justified before God. We're going to spend eternity in heaven because of what Christ has done. I've been delivered from my sins. The very thing that would condemn me. What comfort that brings me. Sometimes I remember things I've done in the past. And, and I'm ashamed. But then there's that comforting balm that comes. Forgiven. 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 Wash clean the blood of Christ. And that comforts me, I'll tell you that. And the preaching of the gospel comforts us, doesn't it? Comforts we who are his people to know that the warfare is accomplished. God's not angry with us anymore. He's not angry. He looks upon his people with love. And this day spoken of in verse 1 is the gospel day of Christ and his salvation. This is speaking of the day when we were regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. We have a view of our past sins, which we confess is deserving of, of God's just anger. And these verses bring forth before us that we have a conscious sense of redemption. The redemption that we have in Christ Jesus, which he accomplished. And this puts a new song in our hearts. A song of praise. The lips that once cursed him is now praising him. That's a miracle of grace, isn't it? <clears throat> Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 19. This joy spoken of here, this comfort spoken of here, is the same joy that Zacchaeus felt when the day of salvation came to his home. You know, Zacchaeus went up that, that tree 
He went up that tree, a man dead in trespasses and sins. Right? And he came down that tree. He's probably skin and bark coming down that tree. He wanted to get down so fast to be in the Lord's presence. But he came down a regenerated man. Born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Had he done anything? No, he just climbed a tree to get a view of Jesus. That's all he did, right? He didn't walk no aisle. He didn't pray no prayer. He didn't, he didn't do anything. It was a heart work, wasn't it? God done a heart work in him. He's born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's look at this narrative here. <clears throat> Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, this was on purpose. There was a sheep there. His name is Zacchaeus. And he's lost, but this was his day of salvation. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. All these publicans, they were despised by the, by the, the Jews because they collected taxes for the Romans. They were looked at as traitors, and they extorted people, and they became very wealthy. And he was rich. <clears throat> and he sought to see Jesus. Oh, he's, all of a sudden, he wants to see Christ, who he was. And could not for the press, because he was a little such. He was a, he's a small man, so he's amongst folks who are taller than him. He can't see Christ. There's probably a stir in the streets, because Christ is passing through. <laughs> he's gonna, he thinks, I'm going to miss him. No, he's not. The very reason Christ was passing through Jericho was for Zacchaeus. He didn't know that, though. He didn't know that. Because everything happens according to God's purpose and will, right? Oh, look at this. So he couldn't see because he was a little stature. And he ran before and climbed up the sycamore tree. Do you know God had that sycamore tree grow in that exact place? So that, so that Zacchaeus could climb that exact tree? A seed had fallen or someone had planted it there and God had given the increase. That's a divinely placed sycamore tree. Just like every tree and every, everything in this world. But isn't that amazing? So he climbs this sycamore tree. He desires to see Christ for he was to pass that way. He's going to pass by. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Who's he see? One of his sheep. One of his lost sheep that was given to him by the Father from eternity. He sees him. He knows he's his. Remember he said, have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is the devil? He knows. He knows. He knows his people. We don't know him, but he knows them. He stopped. Look at that. God stopped. And he looked up at Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, he didn't say to everyone, come forth, did he? It was an effectual calling. A personal, effectual calling. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. <laughs> oh, he flew down that tree, didn't he? <laughs> make haste. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow might not come for you. Now is the day of salvation. Right now. Oh my. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. 
for today I must abide at thy house. He didn't even know him. Zacchaeus didn't know Christ. And Christ said, I, I must abide at your house. <laughs> You're one of my sheep. I can abide in your home. <laughs> oh, my. And what's it say? What did Zacchaeus say? Well, wait, you know, I have to make a decision whether I want to climb down this tree. And, and I don't know. I don't know if I want to climb down this tree because if I climb down this tree, I have to give up all these, all these things in my life that I don't want to give up. Did he say that? No. He made haste. He's made, made, made willing in the day of God's power, beloved. Just like every one of God's people. Look at this. This is wonderful. And he made haste and he came down. He flew down that tree, beloved. And then what did he do? He received him joyfully. Why did he receive him joyfully? He's born again with the Holy Spirit of God, beloved. He's receiving Christ joyfully. And when they saw it, they all remembered. Now look at this. Here's all the religious folks here. Oh my. Oh my. Look at this. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that's a sinner. And you could just hear it dripping off them. The self-righteousness. He's gone with a sinner. Praise be to God. This gives me, this, this comforts my soul because I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I love this. I love the fact that Christ sat with publicans and sinners. This is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And when and Zacchaeus stood and said unto, unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, he called him Lord. God's people call Christ Lord. There was a time when we didn't, but now we call him Lord, don't we? He said, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. For if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. See, he, he's now aware of what he's done was wrong. He's aware of his sin. Look at this. And Jesus said unto them, This day is salvation come to this house. You are my sheep. Zacchaeus, and this is the day you'll be saved. By the grace and mercy of God. My. For so much as he also a son of Abraham. Oh my. For the son of man has come to seek and save what? That which was lost. He didn't come to save the, the, the self-righteous or those who didn't need a physician, did he? He came to save the lost. Are you lost? Are you without hope? Has God shown you that you're lost? That's a wonderful thing if he does. Flee to Christ. Make haste like Zacchaeus did. Make haste and flee to Christ. My. So when the Lord regenerates a sinner and grants him faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a great comfort, isn't it? It's a great comfort to know that my sins are all forgiven. To know that, that the anger of God by the wrath of God has been turned away from me. It's wonderful. Undeserving sinner that I am. My. And it's comforting, isn't it? Look at these words. The latter part of verse 1. And thou comforts me. Who comforts us? Jehovah. Now, we get comfort from each other, too, don't we? But it's nowhere near the comfort that we get from God. We get great comfort from God. Oh, my, that's wonderful. The scripture says to the preacher, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. We're to preach the gospel, which brings comfort to God's people. 
And what great comfort to know that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us by his perfect sin atoning work on the cross. What comfort that can bring you and I as believers. That's the greatest comfort we can have, isn't it? That all our sins are forgiven, every one of them. That he obtained eternal redemption for us and he gave it to us. My. Oh, my. And it was his perfect sin atoning work by the shedding of his precious, precious blood which purchased us again, purchased our eternal souls. I'd love to look at verse 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. Elohim is my salvation, the strong and mighty one. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah. There it is. The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Well, Elohim is the strong and mighty one. So he's my strength. He's the strong one. He's my strength. He's my song. And, and who, has, who has saved the people of God? Let's look here. Who saved the people of God? Can man save himself? No. What shall profit a man if he'll gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing we can give in exchange for our soul. Nothing at all. Nothing we can give to God in exchange for our souls. Nothing. Your very best work is tainted with sin. So is mine. The very best prayers we pray are tainted with sin. Everything we do is tainted with sin. Look at this. Look Who saved us? Behold, verse 2, God, and let this just sink deep into your soul, beloved. God is my salvation. God is. God's my salvation. God has saved me. God himself has saved us. Emmanuel, God with us. We saw in the incarnation series, God with us. By the shedding of his precious, precious blood, he gave his life for us to deliver us from this present evil world. To deliver us from our sins. To deliver us from the law of God to deliver us from the justice of God, that we might be able to stand in the presence of God forever. That's what the God-man has done for me and for you. God, Jehovah, it says here, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. God himself became a man and lived upon this earth as the substitute of his people. Then he went to Calvary's cross and he died as a substitute of his people. Then he was risen from the grave by the power of God three days later. And now he sits, the God-man, at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I as believers. God's my salvation. Christ and Christ alone is the one who the born-again, blood-washed believers trust in. We don't trust in anything we do because there's nothing we can do to gain salvation. We used to think that way, but we don't anymore. And we're no longer afraid of the judgment of God. It says we're not afraid. Why? Because we're no longer afraid of the judgment of God because it fell upon Christ in our place for us. And death has no more sting, right? Because our, our Savior is risen. And where the head is, he's the head. And where the body, the body will soon be, right? 
So death doesn't have the sting. It's just a doorway for us. We don't know how we're going to die, and that sometimes makes us go, okay, well, I don't know. You know, but, but that's natural for all humans. But when we are dying, God will give us dying grace. He'll give us dying grace. I've seen it firsthand with people, with some of the Lord's people who've gone home. I've seen them give dying grace. It's amazing. Oh, they just want to be in the Savior's arms. It's incredible. Like they, somebody said one time, don't worry about dying grace when you're alive because you're not dying. Right? But when you're dying, God will give you grace. That's true. He'll give us grace. So we no longer fear the law of God. We no longer fear the justice of God. But we rejoice and are now comforted that, that Christ has satisfied those in our place. And he's redeemed us again by his precious, precious blood. God's law is fully satisfied. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He's totally satisfied the law of God in the room and place of his people. That's why, again, Paul wrote in Galatians 5.1, I mentioned this in, in, in Sunday school, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. We're free, beloved. We're free in Christ. Be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled with the works of the law. Don't be entangled with anything that man adds to salvation because it's a perversion of the gospel, as we saw in Sunday school. It's a perversion of the gospel. Any works added by man to the gospel of Christ is a perversion. It's no longer the gospel. My, oh, my. And this is why Paul proclaims, too, that there's no condemnation for the believer in Christ. There's no condemnation for us. Isn't that amazing? We walk in this world truly emancipated men and women totally free in Christ. Totally free. And we don't, we don't know that until the Lord saves us, right? And I don't even think we know the full extent of that freedom that we have in Christ. Now, does it give us a freedom to go out and go crazy? No. We won't want to do that. Because now we're constrained by the love of Christ. Right? We're new creatures in Christ now. But what freedom we have. Jehovah. And note in verse 2 it says Jehovah himself is our strength. God himself is our strength. This is what the scriptures declare. It's wonderful. We're so weak and frail. Our faith is fickle. But rejoice, child of God. Salvation's not based upon our feelings. It's in Christ and him alone. Now our feelings go like this, don't they? Some days we have great assurance. Other days, well, we don't have as much assurance. We right back up, right? But but God is constant, beloved. Salvation does not change in Him, and those He is saved are saved forever. I'll tell you what: if you could lose your salvation by something you've done, then it's not eternal salvation. It's based upon you. Again, doesn't give us a license to go crazy. But praise be to God, we can walk through this world 
as forgiven men and women in Christ. That's amazing. Free. Set free. I ask you this, if God saved us, can we be lost again? No, because then God would be a liar, right? Because the scripture declares, who can be anything against God's elect? Any charge. It's God that justifieth. So if God saved us, we're saved. The question is, are we saved? Are we truly born again? Because the scripture says you must be born again. You must be. Salvation is not based upon, upon our heaven being in one church for, for, for our whole lives. It's not based on that, is it? Salvation is based upon Christ and him alone. Are we born again? You must be born again, the master said. So those of us who are saved, it brings us great comfort that God's anger has been turned away and that God is our strength. Jehovah himself is our strength. He's our strength. And it helps us not to be afraid. And he's our salvation. The God man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at verse 3 here. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Well, this is beautiful here, what's brought forth. Few words here, but wonderful truths. Therefore, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Well, here before us is brought a picture as we see this phrase of drawing water, as if it was out of the wells of the Savior. Now, back in the day, they didn't turn the tap on like we do. They didn't have that. And water flowed out. They had to go to the wells and draw water out of the wells. And they'd have to do that several times a day sometimes. They'd try to draw out enough water for the morning, draw a little bit of water for the afternoon, draw out some water for the evening. And you hope the well was close. Because otherwise you'd be walking for a while. Do you know everything of grace is fetched by faith from Christ? Everything of grace is fetched by faith from Christ. He's the well. He's the fountain opened. He's the fountain opened. Therefore, the church sings a fountain a garden, a well of living waters and streams of love. Lebanon is my beloved in Song of Solomon 4.15. My. What did Jesus tell the Samaritan woman? That the water he gave, that the water he gave in his people is a well of living water. He said, you draw that water out of that well there, you can be thirsty again. But the water I give from the wells of salvation Oh my, you're never thirst again. You're never thirst again. It's a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. John 4, 14. Christ himself is a, is a well of living water, isn't he? Springing up into everlasting life. That's what he is for us. Then look at Isaiah 4. 
says here, and in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, praise Jehovah, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Now we're going to come back to this verse. There's a few things I want to bring out about his name. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 now. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. And in verse 6, brings out the whole church here engaged in this hymn of praise. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Look at that. Remember the demons called him? They said, we know who thou art, thou Holy One of God. He's the Holy One, beloved. That's what Christ is. He's the Holy One. And here we see all of Zion, all the redeemed of the Lord, praising Jehovah in songs of redemption and in stirring others to praise. When, when we praise, it stirs. When we hear someone else praising the Lord, it'll stir us to praise the Lord too. It's wonderful. And praise Jehovah. Praise Jehovah for his glory. Praise Jehovah's glory and, and giving grace to we who are his people. Praise Jehovah as we look at all his attributes. His love. His justice. His wrath. All his attributes. His solitariness. Wonderful attributes. His holiness. The fact that he's a just God and a Savior. My, let us praise him for all his attributes. Praise him for the excellent things that he has done in this earth and in us and for us. God's my salvation. Praise him for saving my soul with his precious, precious blood. And let we who are the redeemed of the Lord praise him with songs of thanksgiving. That, have you ever noticed that, that thanks just flows out of us now? <laughs> something will happen you're like thank you Lord I never, I never used to do that before you read the time hey, no never never even never even entered our minds now we thank him all the time oh what a what an amazing God we have what an amazing God we have and these verses tell us the cause of for these shouts of joy because great is the Holy One of Israel. Great is Jehovah. Look what it says in verse 6. Cry out and shout thou in heavens of Zion for great is the Holy One. Our God's great, beloved. And he's greatly to be praised. He's deserving. He's the only one deserving of our praise. Him alone. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. He said, he said this to every one of his sheep. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Paul wrote that in Hebrews. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. My. For he has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Wonderful, wonderful words. And not only is our God great and glorious in himself, but he's great and gracious to his people, isn't he? Think of how gracious he is to us. 
He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He sent his son to redeem our eternal souls. He sent the Holy Spirit to regenerate us and draw us to Christ and give us faith to believe on him. You know, years ago, Donnie Bell told me, the Lord always takes care of his sheep, and I have seen that in my life. I've seen that in this work. God takes care of his people all the time. We might not have what we want, but we always have what we need. Always have what we need. He's great and glorious. So let we who are the people give him praise. Give him praise. Let we who are the redeemed of the Lord praise his mighty name. Let's go back to verse 4 here. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4. And it says, In that day shall you say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. You know that God has highly exalted Christ? His name is the name above all names. It's the name above all names. And how did he exalt them? Well, he exalted them by raising them from the dead, didn't he? By seating them on his right hand. Oh, he's been, he's been exalted. By giving him all power. When men die in the great white judgment throne, they're going to face the very one who they denied. Because Christ is all power. It's him sitting upon that great white throne. It's Christ. So you imagine man said, well, I didn't believe. There he is. That's why I always say, people pop off and say, well, I don't believe that, and I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't change the fact that it's true. Salvation's in Christ alone. Somebody says, I don't believe that. It doesn't change the fact that it's true. I don't believe in God. I don't. It doesn't change the fact that God is real and that he's living. It doesn't change it one iota. As a matter of fact, the scripture says God laughs at them and keeps them in derision. Mocks their calamity. Do you think it affects God, the Bible, or the God of the Bible when men say, I don't believe in him. Do you think he's up there twisting his hands saying, oh my. Nope. We are the ones who need to beg for mercy before the sovereign. Because he is an absolute sovereign. We're the ones who should be on our faces, crying out to him, have mercy on me, Lord. That's see the difference between the publican and the sinner, right? The publican's like, Oh, I'm not I'm not like that that sinner over there. And we saw that even in Luke where we looked in the how they the, the religious people just despised publicans and sinners, and there's the publican saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And God had mercy on that sinner. That, that man went home justified. Not by anything he did, right? He just cried out to God and said, God have mercy on me. That's all we do. That's all we've done as believers, isn't it? God have mercy on me. I need to be saved. And he saved us, didn't he? Oh, my. My. 
His name is above all names, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's Lord over all, whether people believe it or not. And in the day of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ is being highly exalted in our hearts. Right? Think of that. He wasn't exalted in our hearts before he saved us. Now he's exalted in our hearts, isn't he? Now we praise him with these lips. It's wonderful. It's all by his work. That's why the believer says Christ is, he's all my salvation. You take away Christ, I have nothing. I have nothing without him. But oh, in him I have all spiritual blessings given to me by God in Christ. Justification. Sanctification. Redemption. My righteousness to stand before God. I'm going to look at three names, three names quickly of, of consider in Scripture. The first one's in Deuteronomy 18.18. 18. If you want to turn there, Deuteronomy 18.18. 18. The Lord, the Messiah, is, is called prophet. He's called the prophet. Deuteronomy 18.18 18 says, I will raise up, God says, I will raise up a prophet from among the brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And over in John 6, 14, the scripture says this. Christ is identified as that prophet. After he's multiplied the loaves and fishes, it's said of him in John 6, 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. He's the Messiah. He's the prophet. That's one of his names. Prophet. Prophet. Oh, how God's so gracious to us. How he's so gracious to us. And you know, we know that beginning in Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning themselves. The, prophet, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, spoke of the, the prophet. And so how blessed are we, we've been given ears to hear him and eyes to see him. Oh my and how inexcusable it will be for those who refuse to hear him in his words. He who is true and faithful. His words are full of grace. His words are words of power. And apart from the gracious words of the prophet spoken to our hearts and the power and revelation of the Holy Spirit of God, we would be left in darkness. My. Next, he's called Redeemer. Turn, if you would, to Job 19. Job 19, he's called Redeemer. Now this name for the Messiah is so dear to God's people because it speaks of what he's done for us. He's redeemed us. He's redeemed us with his precious blood. And look what Job writes here. Job 19, verses 25 to 27. He writes these words. For I know... Each believer can say this, right? For I know... My Redeemer liveth. I know he lives. Some people say, well, you never see him. I know he lives. <laughs> By faith, I know he lives. Oh, I had a friend of mine. He was an atheist. And the Lord saved him. <laughs> I, know, I would think these words are real precious to him. Because he denied God. And now he says, I know he lives now. I know he lives. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after, after my skin's worms destroy, yet in my flesh shall I seek out. I'm going to see him. 
I'm going to see my Redeemer. And look what he says, whom I shall see for myself. My. And my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Though I die and they put my body in the grave, I'm going to see my Redeemer. I'm going to see him face to face. All because of his mercy and all because of his grace, beloved. Each believer can say that, can't we? So that name Redeemer is so precious to us. So precious to us. He's our kinsman redeemer. He has the right to redeem us because we were given to him by the Father in eternity. And we're set free. We're set free. The, the ransom price for our souls has been paid, beloved, paid in full by Christ. And so Job said confidently, I know my redeemer lives. I know he lives. I say that. I know my Redeemer lives. I don't care. People can say what they want. They can say, well, I don't believe him. I know he lives. I know he's alive. He saved my soul. So let no mistake, let there be no mistake, all those who were given to him in the covenant of grace, we were set free when Christ paid the ransom price for our eternal souls. 2,000 years ago, we didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 20. Paul here is writing a farewell address to the Ephesian elders. He knows that he's going to go and die. He knows. And so he writes this in Ephesians chapter 20. He writes to the Ephesian elders. We'll pick it up in verse 18 here. They've been called to, called to him, and now he's going to address them. And look what he says to them here. Start in verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of Jesus. See, he's just like us. He's just like us, beloved. And how I kept back nothing. God's preachers, we don't hold nothing back. Some people say, Oh, you, you shouldn't talk about election to folks all the time because, you know, that's pretty deep. We hold nothing back. You can find out what I believe by listening to about three messages of mine. It's going to be the same thing each time. You can find out all I believe within three or four messages. Joe Terrell said that years ago, and it's so true. It's so true. How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. God's people don't hold anything that's profitable for his people back. But have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now repentance is given to us, isn't it? And faith is given to us after we're born again. People say, well, well, first you've got to have faith and then you're born again. No, that's a lie. No, that's a lie. When you're born again, you're going to have faith and you're going to have repentance before God because both of them are gifts from God. 
And now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. He knew he was going to go and die. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you the gospel or the counsel, all the counsel of God. Now look at this next verse, talking about redemption. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased, which he has redeemed with his own blood. Job says, I know my Redeemer. I know the one who purchased my soul lives. I know he lives. Whether people believe or not, we know as God's people he lives, don't we? By God-given faith. We know our Redeemer lives and we know we're going to see him. That comforts our souls all because of his mercy and grace. The great Kingsman Redeemer has removed every charge and debt against us. Set us free from the bondage of sin. Stand fast, beloved. Stand fast in that truth. Let's read verse 2 again of Isaiah chapter 12. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Who's our salvation? Christ. Christ. The last third name I'd like us to look at. Turn, if you would, to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. Simeon has been waiting for God to reveal to him the Savior. And when Christ was brought to Simeon, he took him in his arms. And he proclaimed that Christ is God's salvation. Christ is salvation. He's my salvation. And if you're a believer, he's your salvation. Look at these wonderful words here in in Luke chapter 2. Verses 22 to 38. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they bought him, bought Christ to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. Now, see where it says just there? He's only just in Christ, beloved. (laughs) We're only just in Christ. Oh, it's wonderful. And devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, before he had seen the Messiah, before he had seen the salvation of the Lord. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. God's my salvation. 
Simeon has seen God's salvation. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and to the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph said unto Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy, thy own soul also, and the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Philial, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. And she had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting, prayers, night and day. And she coming in, in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption. In Jerusalem. Simeon saw God's salvation. And it was Christ. It was Christ. God is my salvation. Christ is God in the flesh, right? My. Christ alone is the author of our salvation. Christ alone is the cause of our salvation. Christ alone is the completer of our salvation. And he is the certainty of our salvation. Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise his mighty name. For none for whom he died for can perish. Not one. Not one. So let us, beloved, continually draw, be drawn water from the wells of salvation as we walk through this world. Because Jesus himself is the well. He's the well of living water. And whosoever drinketh him, drinketh of, of this, that well shall live forever. And Christ is an open well. He's an open well. In him is found life for sinners. Life for sinners. And let we who are the redeemed of the Lord come to this blessed well for grace daily. Daily. Let us come for grace. And let us come hourly. <laughs> Every Every, any time of the day and draw from the well of Christ. So this week, as you think upon the truth spot forth in, in our text here that we've looked at, think upon the fact that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is our salvation, my salvation. It's personal in these verses, isn't it? My salvation. The Lord himself, the Lord of glory, the word of God, the second person of the Trinity is my salvation. My salvation. All my salvation. All of it. And you know all the persons of the Godhead are involved in our involved in our our salvation. Father chose us in Christ. The Son has redeemed us. And the Holy Spirit has regenerated us and given us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole Trinity is in action. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we have one mediator between our great God. Only one. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
No other mediator. Uh, we can trust him. We can trust him and not be afraid. When we get afraid, let us just trust him. Let us just rest in him. When you see things going on in the world, and if it troubles us, let us just rest in him. God's my salvation. I won't be afraid of that stuff. I'm aware of it, but I ain't going to be afraid of it. Easier said than done, right? But let us, when we feel that way, rest in Christ. Rest in our Savior. Praise be to God. Every single believer in Christ can say, God is my salvation. And it, 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 we can only say that by the grace of God, can't we? We can't say that any other way. Only by the grace and mercy of God. Praise be to the Lord for his, his grace and his mercy. Heavenly Father, we come before thee. Praise in your name. Thankful for your grace and mercy. 